As you're giving, turn to the book of Judges. Judges chapter number 6. So you have Joshua and then you have Judges. It's just past Joshua uh, towards the beginning of the Bible. I'm going to preach a message today called Love Never Fails. Love Never Fails. Before I preach, though, would you do this with me this morning? Uh, Yesterday, we lost one of our Supreme Court justices, Uh, and it was very important because this particular justice uh, always upheld the right uh, to life uh, and the way the Bible interprets that life begins at conception. He also upheld the biblical view of marriage between one man and one woman. He was a strict constitutionalist, and he believed that the Constitution should be interpreted as our founding fathers meant for it to be. And so we have a very, very important situation going on in our country. And so we want to pray, of course, first of all, for the family of Justice Scalia. But then we also want to pray, listen to this, that the right man or the right woman would be appointed and confirmed as the next Supreme Court justice. Can we pray for that today? Father, we pray right now. First of all, we pray for the family of Justice Scalia and this uh, sudden tragic uh, death. Father, we pray today, God, that you would surround his family, his loved ones, those closest to him. Would you surround them with your peace and your comfort right now? Would you just allow right now your Holy Spirit to just wrap his loving arms around each and every member of Justice Scalia's family? And Father, we do pray right now Lord, for our nation, we pray, God, that the right man, the right woman, would be appointed, one who would uphold godliness, holiness, purity, one who would stand with the Word of God, stand with our Constitution, and begin to, Lord God, uphold uh, godly laws, moral laws. And Father, we pray, God, that the right person would be appointed and the right person would be confirmed. We thank you for it. We thank you that you're still on the throne. All is not lost. There is hope, and our hope is in God. So, Father, we thank you today that your hand is moving in this situation. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen Amen and amen. Well, if you're in the book of Judges, you beat me there. So give me just a second, and I'll get there. And uh, we're going to start with the story of Gideon today. Now, I don't have time to go through the entire story of Gideon. It would just take me weeks to follow this story. So I'm just going to pull out one portion of Scripture uh, concerning Gideon's life. Gideon was someone that God raised up while the Israelites were were being held captive. Gideon, listen to this, was in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing. But how many of you know that you could be in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing, and God's still able to find you. Amen? How many of you were in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing, and God still found you? Amen? So God is able to, and he did with Gideon. And he said, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, who, me? I'm the least of the least of the least. But God performed a miracle on on Gideon's behalf. Gideon knew that an angel of the Lord had talked to him, but he still had doubts. How many of you know it's okay to have some doubts? Somebody asked me just recently, they said, is it okay to doubt your faith? And I said, 
not only is it okay, it's likely that you will. At some point in your life, you'll question your faith, you'll have some doubts, they'll rise up. You just can't let them stay there. You just can't let them linger. You can't dwell on them. You can't entertain them. But you probably will have them. And Gideon had them. But look at verse number 36, because here's what happens in Gideon's life. He really questions whether or not God called him. So Gideon said to God, verse 36, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you shall save Israel, you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so when he arose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Now, or I should say, let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. I heard somebody say this one time. They said, I knew growing up that Jesus loved me. I just wasn't so sure about God. I sang all my childhood, Jesus loves me, this I know. But sometimes, even though we may be convinced that Jesus loves us, maybe you're not so sure that God does. It might depend on your upbringing. It might depend on who your parents were. It might depend on what kind of household you were from. For me, I can identify partly because I grew up in a loving house, but I went to a church and a youth group that was good. We, we loved God. But we were very legalistic in my youth group. My, my youth group, we were, we were very legalistic and religious. And, and in the church that I grew up in, the youth group that I grew up in, if you said one curse word, just one, straight to hell. Which is bad news for some of you today. I mean, if you just said one foul word, you were going straight to hell. That's the kind of group that I grew up in. And, and if you weren't out on the streets witnessing every Friday night, you weren't saved. And if you didn't attend church every, you missed church once. Oh, man. You just kind of felt like God was always out to get you. The minute you stepped out of line, the minute you blew it, the minute you slipped, oh, no. You just thought God was going to take his hammer. And, you know, God, Thor's got nothing on God. God was just going to, you into the ground. That's what I grew up in. And I remember, and some of you grew up in, in similar situations. Some of you grew up in households that were very strict. Some of you grew up in households that might have been very unloving or, or very, very, uh, you know, there was no love, there was no affection. And I remember growing up in this church, and then one day I read this story about Gideon. And I remember reading this story, and I said, wow, God, did you really do that for Gideon? Did, did he really ask for a second miracle? Huh? Think about that for just a minute. A miracle had already been performed earlier. But he goes to God. He says, God, I'm still having some doubts. I'm still struggling with this thing. Hey, God, if you would do me this favor, would you do a miracle? Listen, I'll put out a fleece. And when I wake up in the morning, if there is dew only on the wool 
and no dew on the ground, then I'm going to know. Huh? Then I'm going to know that you have called me to save Israel. So he wakes up the next day. What happens? There's dew on the fleece. He grabs the fleece with his own hands and he wrings it out in a bowl full of water. Meanwhile, he's walking on dry ground. It's a miracle. Only God could have done such a thing. But listen to this. This is the amazing part. This part blows my mind. The God of fire, the God of thunder, huh? The God who opened up the earth and swallowed thousands of people who just complained. He says to that God, God, don't be mad at me, but I was just wondering if you would do it one more time except the exact opposite. If I wake up tomorrow and there's dew all over the ground, but the fleece that I lay out is completely dry, then I'll know. I'll really, this, I'll really know this time that you're the God who called me to save Israel. Now, how many of you glad that you're not God? Anybody glad you're not God? I'm glad that I'm not God. I'd kill myself if I was God. And I certainly would have wiped Gideon out. How dare you ask me for a second miracle after I just performed a first? Who do you think I am? Do you think I'm just up there, just, just waiting to just give out miracles? I mean, how dare you test me? How dare you doubt me? I just performed a miracle last night. How dare you question whether or not I've called you? You think that I would say that? Absolutely I would have said that. But read it. God never says a word. He never says no. He simply does exactly what Gideon asked to do. And I remember reading that, and here's where it flipped for me. I said to myself, maybe God is more gracious than I think he is. Huh? And maybe God is more patient than I think he is. And maybe God is much more loving than I think he is. Amen? The God of the Old Testament, patient, gracious, and loving, absolutely. You see? Sometimes we get this distorted picture, depending on where we're raised, how we're raised, what our environments are, of who God really is. But I'm here to tell you that God loves you today. In fact, I want to give you just a couple things this morning. Just a couple things for you to know this morning. Three things. I want you to know this. Number one, you are deeply loved. If you miss everything else today, if you walk out of the door and you don't remember anything, listen, I want you to know this. You are deeply loved. I picked up a book years ago by a guy named Robert McGee, and it's famous in counseling circles. Christian book, and it's called The Search for Significance. And in this book, here's what he says. He said, hey, guys, pray this prayer every day. Here's the prayer. I am deeply loved, completely forgiven, totally accepted, and fully pleasing to God. Ooh, I read that. And something just went off. And I started to pray that prayer every day of my life. God, I thank you that today I am deeply loved. 
and I am completely forgiven. Lord, I am totally accepted and I am fully pleasing to you. Now, what do you think would happen in your life if you prayed that prayer every day? For just a month, if you only did it for a month, what would your confidence in God be like? What would your faith be like? What would your, 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 your just love towards God if you just understand that you yourself are deeply loved by God? If you just know that deep down in your knower, right? It would change something about you. Somebody asked Billy Graham one time. They said, Reverend Graham, in all your years of ministry, what's the greatest thing you've ever learned? And Reverend Graham said, listen, the greatest thing in all my years of ministry is this. Jesus loves me. This I know. And they said, what do you mean? You mean Jesus loves you is the greatest thing you've ever learned? He said, no, this I know is the greatest thing I've ever learned. Hallelujah. That you would know it deep down on the inside. That you would know that you are loved and nothing could take that away from you. Hallelujah. You know it deep down that I am loved by God. It's the greatest thing you could ever learn. Most of you know that we have a four-year-old son. And, uh, and besides being the cutest thing on earth, I, he just has this way sometimes of wiggling his way into our bed. Sometimes he'll start there. Sometimes he'll finish there. Sometimes he never leaves. But every now and then, my wife and I, we get him in the middle of our bed and we do this. We, we call it an Elias sandwich. His name's Elias and so I get on one side, Cynthia gets on the other and we just move right towards the middle and he's sitting there and we just squeeze him in the middle and we go, whoo, Elias sandwich and we just kind of squeeze in like this. I could cry thinking about it. You should see his face when we do it. When we do it, his face just lights up. We squeeze him in, and, and he's just like this, and he's just, he's all smiles. He starts laughing, and I think to myself, in that moment, he knows that he's loved, deeply loved. In that moment, there's no questioning, there's no doubt. He has such security, he has such confidence. He knows in that moment, he's cherished. He's loved, and he always will be. And God wants to do that with some of you. Even on this Valentine's Day, listen to me, he wants you to know deep down on the inside, you're loved by him. All your faults, all your failures, all the sin, all the bondage, all the addiction, everything you've ever done wrong, he wants you to know in spite of all that, he is crazy in love with you. He just wants to squeeze you. He wants to get on every side of you. He just wants to begin to tell you, hey, listen, there's nothing you could do to ever get away from the love of God. He wants you to know it deep down on the inside. But here's what he also wants. Number two is this. God desires for that love to be returned. That it would be reciprocated. That it would be returned to him. Huh? 
It's not just that he loves you. Of course he loves you. Absolutely, he's crazy in love with you. But he also has a desire for your life. And the desire for your life is that you would return the love, the affection that he's given you. In Matthew chapter 22, someone comes to Jesus and here's what they said. They said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus said to him, the greatest thing I could ever tell you, the greatest thing you could ever do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That you would love God with everything that you have. Nothing could be more important. Nothing could be greater. Francois Fenelon said this. He asked this question. Listen to this question. To just read the Bible, attend church, and avoid the big sins. Is this passionate wholehearted love for God. Man, I read that quote and I thought, wow, what a great question. To just read the Bible, to just go to church, huh? to just avoid the big sins. Is this really passionate love for God? Listen, I thank God for my upbringing. I thank God for, for the parts of it where I learned what holiness really is. And, and you understand there is purity and there is godliness and there are some things we should avoid. I remember even yesterday I was looking and, and I noticed that some people had posted uh, something about a new movie that's out. There's a new movie out by Marvel that looks like it's kind of for children. It's about a comic book hero and, and I remember reading and I looked up what the ratings were on kidsinmind.com. And I remember looking at it, and it's one of the most raunchy movies that had ever been rated by them. It's, it's, it's pornography. It is filth. It is garbage. And I remember looking at it, and people were posting, hey, hey, parents, just so you know, this is not for kids. And I posted, and I said, hey, not only is it not for kids, it's not for Christians. Huh? It's not just because I'm 18, I could do whatever I want, watch whatever I want, just look at whatever I want. No, absolutely not. So there is holiness and there is godliness and there is things we should avoid in our life. But also know this, it's not just about that. You can avoid all of that and still miss out on being passionately in love with God. Somebody say amen. So listen, where is the passion? Some of you might say, hey, what happened to the passion of my life? What happened to my love for God? Where where is it in my life? Where is the love for, for his word? When's the last time I woke up and said, hey, I can't wait to pray today. I can't wait to worship God. I can't wait to get into his presence. Listen, God doesn't force you to love him. How many believe God's sovereign? You've heard that word before. You believe it, right? God is sovereign. That simply means God does what he wants, when he wants. But how many of you know we're made in his likeness? That doesn't mean that God has blonde hair, brown hair, light skin, dark skin. It means that he made us sovereign as well. Sovereign just simply means we do what we want, when we want. We have that ability. God doesn't force you to love him. No, no, no. Here's what he does. He just starts loving you. Romans 5, 8 says this, while we were yet sinners, huh? God demonstrated his love for us. 
in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here's how he desires us to love him. He starts by loving us first. How many of you got saved like I did because you didn't want to go to hell? Is anybody like that? That's me. I told you it was those rapture movies of the 70s. That's child abuse. It's child abuse. I, I watched them. I, I, was, I was abused. Okay, that was child abuse. But guess what? It worked. I got saved. Huh? And it took, man. It stuck with me. And I still don't want to go to hell. Hallelujah. But I stay saved because I love God, because he loves me. Hallelujah. He's so crazy in love with me. I can't get away from it. I can't escape it. I never want to. I don't want to walk away from God. Hallelujah. Because he loves me so dearly. I can't wait to worship him. I can't wait to come even in here and lift my hands because I love him so dearly because he first loved me. Hallelujah. So it's the love of God. That's what compels me to love him back. There's something about it. Amen. There's just something about him pouring out his love for us. Now, some of you might say today, well, pastor, I don't know what happened to me. There was a time in my life, there was a season in my life when I was much more in love with God and there was much more emotion and there was much more passion there. I got good news for you today. And the third thing I want to share with you is this. Any love loss can be love restored. I need you to know that today. I don't want you to walk out of this place without knowing it on the inside. Any love lost can be love restored. Cynthia and I, we always take time, as much as we can, and I talk about it from the pulpit as often as I can, to talk about what God did in our marriage. Because we had no love for each other in our marriage. There was no love and there was no like. We didn't like each other. We didn't love each other. We couldn't stand the sight of each other. I remember sleeping in bed. We had a queen-size bed at that time. And I remember that one day her toe accidentally touched mine. And I thought to myself, because listen, she faced her direction, I faced mine, and never the two shall meet. It's like we had a line going through the bed. And I remember she touched my toe one time. And I thought, who does she think she is? How dare her even touch my toe? Huh? Good luck, sister. And I wrapped my arm. You know, I mean, we just, we were so cold toward each other. And that's just the way we lived. And I had confined myself to just believing that we were going to be miserable. I was going to be miserable. She was probably going to be gone, but I was going to be miserable. I just thought, okay, this is how we're going to live our life. We're just going to live unhappy. I'm just going to be unhappy. I don't know what else to do. I can't get divorced. If I get divorced, I'll lose my job. I'll have to leave the ministry. And so I thought, okay, I'm stuck with her. And she's stuck with me. Now listen, it was 95% me. I was selfish. I did what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. I was inconsiderate. I was unloving. I, I just didn't know how to love her. I had no idea how to love her. But I remember the day I made the decision to turn this thing around. I said, who wants to live like this? Huh? I don't want to live like this. It affected every area of our life. It affected my job. It affected the ministry. It affected everything. And I remember as we began to turn it around, I thought to myself, I can't even picture a day 
when I love her. I can't even picture what that looks like. I had lost all affection, and let me tell you, she felt much more, you know, lost than I did. But we started to turn it around, and I started to get my act together. I started to say to myself, hey, Brian, you can't be selfish anymore. You need to grow up. You need to wake up. And I began to ask myself every day, here's what I did. I didn't feel it. I didn't want it. There was no emotion to it. But every day I would ask myself, what can I do, do, what can I do for Cynthia that will show her that she's the most important person in my life today? Huh? Someday I hit it. Some days I didn't. Some days it was easy. Honey, can I make you a cup of coffee? Some days it wasn't so easy. Right? But every day I would just begin to do something. What can I do for Cynthia today? What can I do? What can I do for her to demonstrate, to show her that she's the most important person in my life? And every day I began to do it. And all of a sudden, something so interesting began to happen. All of a sudden, emotion began to rise up back inside of my life. Feeling, huh? Began to, I began to like her again. I was always attracted to her. But I began to like her again. And then every day, here's what happened. It didn't happen overnight. But all of a sudden, I began to say, God, thank you for restoring lost love for my wife. And I look back at it now and I go, man, God, I, you're able to. I had a text this week from somebody who said this, Pastor, our marriage is beyond hope. And I text back, absolutely not. If it was beyond hope, there'd be no God. I don't care how far gone it is. I don't care where your emotions are. I don't care where your feelings are. I know this, that if God is in heaven, God can restore lost love. Amen? Absolutely he can. Now listen, if he can do it in a marriage... He can do it with your worship life. If he can do it in a marriage, he can do it with your devotion life. If he can do it in a marriage between two individuals, don't you know God's already sitting on go? Huh? He's already ready. And what would happen if you wake up and say to God, God, what can I do for you today to demonstrate that you're the most important person in my life? Can I spend an extra 10, 15 minutes, half an hour in your word? Can I take the time during my lunch break to just worship you? Huh? Can I tell somebody about you? Can I I talk to you throughout the day? Can I spend my commute instead of listening to, to politics or listening to talk radio? Can I just spend my commute worshiping you? Huh? What would happen to your emotions? What would happen to your feelings? I'll tell you what will happen. God will begin to touch your life in such a supernatural way that you'll say, God, I'm so in love with you today. Woo, I can't wake up just to spend some time with you. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm living proof of it. Listen, I look back and I go, man, I can't believe that I acted that way. I can't believe. How did she stay with me? Thank God she did. Aren't you glad she did? Praise God. Somebody happy about that? Amen. She deserves dinner out tonight. What do you think? We just might need to take an offering so I could buy her the most proper. <laughs> no, don't. Please don't give me. Please. I, we're good. We, I got money for dinner tonight. Please don't come hand me money. So. But listen, God is able to touch your life as well. 
Listen, there's no such thing as lost love that you can't get back. In Revelation, the angel is speaking to the church of Laodicea, and here's what he says. He said, you didn't lose your love, you left your love. And if you left it, you're able to come back to it. I'm going to ask you today to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Oh, yes, he's able. Here's why he's able. Let me tell you why he's able. Because there's a chapter in the Bible and a verse in that chapter that simply says this. Love never fails. It never fails. I want to pray for you today because I know that in this place there are some people who grew up in in a situation where it was very unloving, very uncaring. There was no affection. There was hurt. There was abuse. There was pain. There was loneliness. Nobody tucked you in at night. Nobody hugged you and nobody kissed you and nobody put you to bed. No. You were by yourself. At least you thought you were. But I'm here to tell you, no matter where you are in life, no matter how old or how young you are today, please don't leave here without knowing this. You are deeply loved by God. Oh, yes you are. Just like that little boy that sits in our bed at night and is surrounded by such love and affection. God wants to take your life. Whatever your past looked like, whatever the hurt of yesterday, whatever the pain that you still feel and still remember, God wants to take you and just surround you. And he just wants you to know today you are deeply loved by him and today he wants to bring healing restoration and if you're here today and you say I just can't feel it I just don't have the emotions God is able to restore that to you you have to do your part absolutely he doesn't come force you to do anything he doesn't come just magically touch your heart and all of a sudden you just fall in love with God no you have to do your part You have to put in the time, the effort, the energy. But when you do, something rises up on the inside of you. I look back at my life and all I could say is, thank God. Thank God that he rescued me, that he saved me. Thank God that he restored something that I was so easily willing to throw away. And if you're here today, don't throw away your faith. Don't abandon your walk with God. Never walk away from Him thinking you just don't have it in you. You do have it in you. And I'm going to pray for you today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, in the name of Jesus, for each and every person in this place, when I sense in my spirit people need to hear this today some of you walked in not expecting this not expecting to be confronted with this God is saying to you today's your day 
This is your moment. This is your time to be healed. So, Father, I pray for each and every person that walked in. Or those who are still dealing with the hurt and wound of yesterday. Father, I thank you today that you just wrap your arms of love around them. You care for them. You today show show them, God, that they are deeply loved by you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I didn't do this in the first service, but I feel compelled to do it today in this second one. If that's you today and you say, Pastor, I, I need that in my life. I need to sense that. There's been a loss of emotion or there's been a misunderstanding or, or, or there's something in my life.